Welcome back to Hidden Messages Podcast. I just wanted to record a quick little episode about memorization. This movement's been around for a while, but I think it's picked up steam in the last decade or two. There's been a movement to change education in America to be less focused on memorization and more focused on understanding and critical thinking and that sort of thing. And, you know, despite all the problems with public education in America and Common Core, I think generally things are moving in the right direction, though albeit slowly and with bureaucracy and some things that still don't make sense, but standardized tests. But I, I do think that teachers who are starting to just get rid of memorization entirely, maybe they're feeling pressure from their department heads, from the, from the state, from common core curriculum, whatever it is, you know, to, to get rid of memorization. But I think some of it comes from just, you know, a teaching philosophy, right, of, well, memorization doesn't lead to critical thinking. Memorization doesn't lead to understanding, right? I mean, in some ways, if you think about it, like memorization, it's almost the exact opposite of understanding. You're literally saying, I am just going to remember this as opposed to, I'm going to understand this. And, you know, that can show up in a number of ways. I mean, the most obvious that I can think of off the top of my head are for math, right? Where in early days, I remember memorizing the multiplication table. One times one is one, two times two is four, three times three is nine, four times four is 16, etc. Even formulas, right? Like A squared plus B squared equals C squared or whatever. On the English side, I remember memorizing monologues. I also taught my students to memorize monologues. And I don't think that's a horrible thing. Like, I, it's kind of like there are some teachers or department heads who really feel like you should never show a movie to your kids. Like, you're wasting valuable class time by, having, by showing a movie when you could be having a discussion, right? Or some people who believe like you should never give a lecture everything should always be a discussion or everything should always be kids you know discovering things on their own i've heard teachers or department heads say that there should never be any reading done during class that that should always be homework because again that's wasting class time and i don't fully disagree with that like i think that class time is it's a precious commodity right and even though parents may joke about you know, oh, well, the teachers spend more time during the week with my kid than I do. Individual teachers don't, right? So they, the, your kid may spend more time at the school than they do with you, right? If they're at the school from, say, I don't know, like 7.30 or 8.30 in the morning to, you know, if they have sports practice, like 5, 6 at night, and then you get to see them for a few hours during dinner, before they do homework, assuming you get to see them at all, like some parents have to work evening or night shifts, so sometimes they barely get any time with their kids. Like from a parent perspective, yeah, it seems like they're spending a lot of time at school compared to the time they're spending with you. And and right now I'm, I'm recording this during COVID, I don't even want to say lockdown because a lot of places aren't really locked down. Like LA is not locked down. But this thing where we're either doing distance learning or some kind of hybrid model where Kids are not just 100% in school everywhere. But, you know, at some point we are going to probably move back to 
even if it's a hybrid model, having a lot of students back in class. And yeah, just to a lot of parents, it feels like, well, they spend a lot more time at school. But from a teacher perspective, they don't spend that much time with you in that particular class, right? So they may be spending, you know, a good eight, nine hours in school. But during that time, they're spending only about an hour or an hour and a half with you. Sometimes they're spending only 45 minutes. It really depends on what the school schedule is. So that time is precious. That said, I, I, like, I, I, <laughs> I know of teachers who seriously just have their kids just like do crossword puzzles the entire time. Not that there's anything wrong with crossword puzzles, but again, class time. Or have their kids read the entire time or just show their kids movies the entire time without discussing the movies, just showing them. And that's fine if you're a substitute teacher. <laughs> because you know it's it's hard to just drop in a sub who doesn't have a connection with the curriculum and the kids but i do think there's an extreme of saying every single moment counts so we must always be at full throttle and i think there are different muscles that you need to exercise in a kid's brain and there are, there there's just boredom too like i think if you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again even if it's lively discussion, even if it's interaction, even if it's fun stuff, if it's the exact same kind of fun stuff, it really gets the kid thinking in only a particular way. And if you think about it as a corollary to exercise, right? Like I used to run and we didn't just show up to practice and just start running and being like, okay, well, we have only two hours together. So let's just run the entire two hours. Like that's not how the body works. And that's not how building a team works and having the team operate functionally works, right? So if you actually run, you know, without warming up, some would argue without stretching, though there's been some controversy about whether stretching is actually useful. I, I think <laughs> it's kind of like when people talk about the benefits of alcohol, like whenever I read those studies, it's always like, basically like, if you don't drink alcohol, don't start. But if you are drinking alcohol, don't stop. I mean, I guess unless you're alcoholic, but like when they say things like, oh, a glass of wine a day helps. It's like, it's not like if you aren't drinking a glass of wine a day, you need to start drinking a glass of wine, but it's like, I guess your body's just used to that. So I'm not, you know, hundred percent up on the research, but the recent stuff that I've read probably, you know, a few years ago, maybe it's been updated since is that like, you know, if you're used to stretching, your body's used to stretching. So you should keep stretching. And if you're not used to stretching, then you don't have to stretch and you might actually tear something. But at the same time, I don't think any runner, serious runner would argue against warming up, right? There has to be some kind of warm up. So, you know, you, you show up to practice, you know, you chit chat with your running mates, your teammates, and, you know, you do a light warm up, maybe you do some stretching, the coach may talk to you for a little bit, kind of give you a pep talk, contextualize what the workout is. You might do some, you know, sprinting type activities. You might do some long distance type activities, a little bit of weight training, perhaps like the, you're, you're training your body in different ways and doing kind of like slow things and fast things and, you know, big muscles and small muscles. Now, obviously it doesn't correlate exactly with how the brain works. And I'm not a brain scientist. I'm not, you know, a physical scientist, but you know, there, there are different types of ways that the brain works. And just going in and having discussion all the time, it's not, I don't know, I don't think that that exercises all the parts of a kid's brain. Like, I think there is room in small doses, of course, right, for having a little memorization, having a little bit of in-class reading time, having a little bit of movie clip showing with some discussion attached to it, or analysis, right? But I think it, it gives kids a little bit of downtime where they can be on and engaged 
and then other times where they can just kind of zone out or not completely zone out like not paying attention but just like not be at full throttle all the time right and sometimes that just helps people digest i mean it's kind of like having you know courses between meals right like you wouldn't go to a restaurant where they serve you an appetizer and then right afterwards they serve you the main course and then right after they serve you dessert and then you have to drink as quickly as you can and then just leave the restaurant like you if you have a good restaurant experience even if the food is good you like to have the courses spaced out a little bit and digest and appreciate and i think you know there has to be some kind of a balance and i worry if there are teachers who are just so ardently against memorization and regurgitation and and rote stuff that they miss out on how that can give kids a rest from the other things that are very important but are super engaging and and deep that are also very taxing to a lot of kids and on a related note i think that you know honestly like i know that that some people are very critical of how you know baby boomers and gen xers raise their kids and they they talk about participation trophies and snowflakes and whatever it is and you know there there's some validity to that though i think right-wing extremists meaning basically the Republican Party have like taken that to an extreme where they're just accusing people of being snowflakes when really they're the snowflakes. But that's a side note. But yeah, there, there is, I think there is also something to be said for self-esteem. Like, I don't think you need to sit there and just massage kids' egos and constantly tell them how great they are if they're not great. But I do think that particularly for kids who struggle with a subject, if there's something that they can do in that, that they feel confident in, I think that it, it keeps their motivation up a little bit, right? Like, you know, for example, like, you know, in an English class, right? Somebody who's not a great writer or yet and not great at analysis yet and kind of really struggles with those pieces of English class, like if you can have them memorize a monologue, maybe they're very dramatic or maybe they're really good at memorization and, and recite it, that can feel to them like, okay, so I'm not great at English yet, but at least I was good at this one thing in English class, right? And similarly, math, it's like, yeah, if somebody struggles with understanding how to prove something or how, you know, certain numerical theories work, if that person's good at memorization and can just, like, memorize a multiplication table and regurgitate that, I think that can be a little bit of a confidence booster, like... I know something in math, right? And and that's that that goes only so far, but it goes a little bit. It goes somewhere. And it I've seen kids who are who feel kind of like psychologically destroyed by a subject because they feel just like they have no competency in there whatsoever, right? And I think that's also a good reason for like shaking things up a little bit. Like I taught, you know, a computational thinking class once where, you know, we did do some stuff with computers, but we also did some stuff with just patterns that had nothing to do with electronic computers right and for some of the kids who felt like they were not super comfortable around computers just thinking about computational thinking in other contexts really made them feel like oh i can do something well in here right and it's i think you know similarly like if you just have your kids doing analysis in english all the time and you don't have them do creative writing or other types of writing it can be a downer for kids who are really bad at literary analysis but who love writing or who used to love writing. You know, I would just say, you know, teachers, you're facing all sorts of pressures. And if you're like, oh God, what is this ex-teacher telling me about teaching? Like, I'm stressed right now. Like, that's fine. Don't, you don't have to listen to this. But if you have the bandwidth, just take a moment yourself and reflect and think about like, you know, does everything always have to be at full throttle? Like time is precious. The time I have with these students is precious, but maybe, 
you know, maybe I, I, I do some low-key stuff that's not as taxing to their brain all the time. Maybe there is a little memorization. And honestly, a lot of that memorization sticks. Like, yeah, it doesn't have deep thinking value, but hey, I still remember my multiplication tables. I still remember some Shakespeare monologue stuff, right? Is this a dagger I see before me, the handle toward my hand? You know, like that kind of stuff. It's just, I still remember that from, from like 30 years ago. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and, and I think there's something satisfying about that. I learned a, a song in, in elementary school that helped you memorize the 50 United States or the 50 states in the United States and in alphabetic order. And it was like a fun song and I can still sing the whole song. And it's cool that I know all 50 states. Like, okay, does that make me a great thinker or geographer or historian? No, but it's it's a neat thing that, that you can do that. And so, no, of course, don't have an entire course where the whole thing is just memorizing and regurgitating because that was ridiculous and a waste of time. But I do think there is a place for it and you know you should think about it